Hello and welcome to another episode of Christ in the Classroom, uh, created by Sophia Institute for Teachers, uh, and I am your host, Jose Gonzalez. Uh, with me tonight, uh, I will introduce shortly, uh, is Ethan O'Connor. Uh, he is a member of our curriculum team. Today's topic will focus on teaching the faith with current events. So funnily enough, uh, we did record a live session earlier or rather attempted to record a live session earlier, uh, which did not record. And so this is the actual recording. So if you have, uh, if you joined us live and are re-listening and are thinking to yourself, hmm, that sounds a little different than when I tuned in, it's because it is a little different. So uh, here we go, you know, uh, mistakes happen, but uh, we wanted to make sure we got um, the essence of what we did live uh, out to our, our listeners that like to listen on their own time. So. With that, uh, let's let's dive into uh, the episode today. So, as as we all know, uh, in today's culture, uh, our kids, in particularly, but also us, we're navigating a lot. There's there's a constant flow of information. There's a constant flow of technology, and while technology has done some amazing things to connect us, and amazing uh, and has produced amazing ways for us to stay informed. Uh, particularly about injustices in the world, but also good things going on in the world that we might not have been exposed to before, it still remains a challenge as we see things, um, uh, news feeds and social media constantly flowing, different forms of information, countless uh, news news agencies and sources. Uh, and, and so trying to discern, you know, where is the truth in all of this becomes increasingly difficult. Uh, and so Tonight, we want to focus on how we can bring a Catholic lens, a Catholic attention um, to the way we view the news, the way we ingest the news, the way we, we take what's going on in the world and, and channel it for change, for conversion, and for evangelization. Uh, you know, as we know, uh, in the last year especially, but, but really for many years, uh, there's been an, a growing increase of reaction with emotion. Um, a lot of facts and solid reasoning get thrown out the window and we let our emotions take over and we become very divisive on a lot of hot topics. Um, we can see, see that over the last year. Uh, we are very divided in many ways. Uh, and yet as Catholics, we're called to, yes, acknowledge those emotions, acknowledge that, uh, that righteous anger and that righteous indignation that comes with some of these issues. Uh, while at the same time step, being able to step back and have critical conversations, cri engage in critical thought, and really, really search for what's the truth in the midst of all all, all the media storm that we have, and so today um, I, I'd like to um, talk about that with uh, with my colleague uh, Ethan. So Ethan O'Connor is a member of the Sophia Institute for Teachers curriculum team, and he focuses on particularly writing our uh, monthly Teaching the Faith with Current Event e-lessons. Uh, those come out monthly and are available for, for free. This month's lesson can be found not only in the regular spot, but also in the Christ in the Classroom uh, lessons uh, page. And, and so we hope that you'll check that out. But we also hope to dig into some principles and ideas so that you can create your own current events lessons as well. So welcome, Ethan. How are you? I'm well, thanks. It's nice to be back. <laughs> so soon. Um, and if you don't mind, I thank you for your introduction. I thought we could start out with a prayer uh, in this, with this topic. Absolutely. It's all the Absolutely. same with you. Yes, so, so. we would love that. All right, let us pray. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who taught the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant that by the gift of the same Spirit we may be always truly wise, and never rejoice in his consolation through Christ our Lord. Amen. So Ethan, Ethan's inspiring me as well as you can see Ethan being a member of the team, um, uh, uh, bringing, bringing in prayer where I should have been a long time ago. So um, appreciate the holiness and the inspiration to, to hopefully from here on out, we'll, we'll, we'll find a prayer. Maybe it'll be this one or another one that'll be our, our, our weekly uh, opening prayer. Cause I think it's uh, obviously all good things should begin with prayer, and we at Sophia have have typically done that, but just haven't gotten in the habit with this with this podcast. And so uh, grateful for Ethan and his inspiration in this. So, Ethan, why don't we kind of dive into this topic? I'd love to kind of hear sure. your your initial thoughts on 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 how we should approach um, the media, current events. Of course. Well, if you don't mind, I, I would like to begin with a beautiful excerpt from a Papal Decree named Intermerifica. I have it up here. Um, this is a decree on the media of social communications. It was promulgated by Pope Paul VI in 1963. And this is at the outset or like the, the beginnings of the technological age, if you will. Um, the, the television had exploded into, you know, television had come into the house of many Americans, for instance, three years before this, the first televised presidential debate had occurred between John F. Kennedy and Richard Nixon. And, and it really was a testament to the, the power of the media to influence society and individuals. And Pope Paul really addresses this excellent, very well. And I think it's perhaps even more applicable today than it was then, oddly, because of the boom in, in technology that we've undergone. But, you know, um, as human beings, we, we, we don't change that much, but, um, with the technology, there are many dangers and many blessings that come with it. And, and the Pope really addresses these very well. So intermerifica is wonderful for anyone who is involved in, in education or the use of media, or even um, if you are using it as not, not for, you know, um, for media itself, but if you're watching, he addresses the arts and television and movies and everything. And there's really um, an obligation for those watching and using it um, that he isolates. And it's, it's, it's very well done. It's very short. We can't read the whole thing today or tonight, unfortunately. But I chose this quote because I think it, it applies to what we're talking about and kind of frames the conversation, I thought. So it would be helpful to read at the outset. So here it goes. Quote, those who make use of the media of communications, especially the young, should take steps to accustom themselves to moderation and self-control in their regard. They should moreover endeavor to deepen their understanding of what they see, hear, or read. They should discuss these matters with their teachers and experts and learn to pass sound judgments on them." End quote. I take this, especially in our current events lesson as kind of the guiding light. <laughs> it has, there are three points here that I, I kind of wanted to uh, extract for our, our consideration. And the first is uh, moderation and self-control. That's, that's um, I think, a very important 
to highlight, especially in this age when we have, you know, 24 seven in our pockets, we have a constant stream of news and, and opinions and, and we're being barraged at all times. And it's, it's very hard <laughs> to exercise moderation. Um, you slip into it without realizing it, you know, and we're all guilty of this, I would assume. I, I know I am among the worst. So um, especially in, in, the, in terms of current events and, and perceiving the world around you, in fact, less is more. And the, the more you can reflect on something instead of scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, the better. So I think this is timely advice. And then the second point is uh, the endeavor to deepen an understanding of what they see or hear or read. And that, that I think follows very naturally from the moderation, but um, it's, it's the, the, the desire for knowledge and truth, which necessarily demands um, digesting or, or exploring something um, and not uh, just taking a headline, you know, or just um, taking one opinion and, and running with it or swallowing a story, um, which is as a danger today, especially. So, and then the third here is um, to learn to pass sound judgments on them. This is a very nice progression, I think. Um, and the ultimate goal is for us at Sophia to help students do exactly this um, and to help teachers facilitate this in the classroom is um, to, to pass a sound judgment and hasty judgments are a very human problem <laughs> and, and it can be dangerous to do this, especially when another human person is involved, you know, you read a news story and if you're, you know, you can be moved in various ways. You can be moved to think ill of people without hearing or, or understanding the whole, the whole context of the story. So, so I thought this quote was, was quite beautiful and it's only one gem in a whole field of diamonds here. So I, this is a beautiful decree to read. Uh, maybe we can put a link to it in our, in our page for this podcast because it, you can print it out. It's only a few pages long. Excellent for teachers, I would think. Um, anyone who has to deal with technology in their lives, which is all of us these days. So, um, Yeah, that's it, it seems like a beautiful document. Uh, I'm actually uh, ashamed of myself for, for having having. I believe having never heard of it. So I really, I really love And this quote really, I think that the three points here that you point out uh, really make a lot of sense. And I think if we were to apply that into our analysis of the media, to our intake of the media, it could solve a lot of problems because, you know, the media in itself, the news in itself is not bad. And I don't think anybody um, is advocating, right. You, you know, no, freedom of, of, of press is one of our great, no. you know, one of the great freedoms in this country that that uh, that we definitely want to safeguard. Um, but from a, from a Christian perspective, I think it's so important a to, to like all things, moderation in all things, right. That, you know, <laughs> you know, it, it, especially, you know, even too much of a good thing um, can be oh, detrimental, right? Um, I often compare, for example, right, you know, we consume and do things based on our state in life, what we're called to do. Um, you know, I need to safeguard how much media I intake, but also as a husband and father, I have to moderate the amount of time I spend, say, in adoration, right? It would be imprudent or not virtuous of me to spend six hours a day in adoration when I have a family and and work, you know, yeah, uh, circumstances so much, right. it's such a key element. And 
and that's exactly it. And, the, and in this document too, it's, it's very uh, positive at the outset of the technological age. And, and uh, the Holy Father is saying there is great hope with this. That among right. the wonderful technologies that are being developed, there's great hope for the church and for evangelization and for the improvement of the human condition, you know, with knowledge, with understanding and, and education. And he's really highlighting that um, this you know, this is the dawn of a beautiful age, potentially, but there's a two-edged, there's, there's two sides to it, and it, there are dangers involved, too, and this is, this quote, I thought, um, right, kind of covered what that could be. We need to exercise something as people who are receiving this as well, so. Um, yeah, no, I, that's, it's beautiful, and, and I, I really, and then, you know, that, that second point of um, that you make about endeavor to deepen their understanding of what they see here or read that, well, I know you, that you point out, you didn't make it the, the, the Pope, this, the saintly Pope made that point, but, um, <laughs> but in you pointing that point out, it really leads us to, to see the value in being self-reflective mm -hmm. human beings that, that oftentimes, and I struggle with this as well, right? Um, I might see a headline or I might read a portion of an article and rather than taking a step back and reflecting on that or finding other sources as well yeah. to help shed light, I can find myself in a place that's just not healthy and not good because I'm failing to self-respect. I'm failing to try to deepen my understanding and really try and understand what yeah. I'm seeing and hearing and staying stuck in that one place. So, so really, I mean, beautiful, beautiful um, solid insights that man, we would be in a different and place as a culture if we if we did did I think so did and this right here. Um, exactly, and I thought so. This was a beautiful way I thought to frame and and proceed with our with our conversation on this. So what I've done with this presentation conversation is try to just kind of condense um, and draw out three general principles. In, for approaching the news or navigating the news, if you will. Right. So it's less of a particular play-by-play -play of everything that should be uh, <laughs> included or done when you're, when you're, especially in the classroom, when you're approaching things, but kind of hopefully, hopefully some helpful principles. None of them are quite profound, I'm afraid, but um, way, avenues in which you can approach um, perhaps some, you know, prickly events or even the good ones. Um, in a way that constantly is drawing students to Christ or to, to consider Christ and all his mystery. Um, Cause that is the, he's the central, he's the center of all history. And, and if we draw, we draw our students and ourselves always to reflect on him and then we can never be shaken, if you will, by, by anything that happens. And, um, and it's easy to be shaken. So right. um, if you will, we're just, we'll just quickly glance over these three avenues. Um, the first is that this is something I'm always considering when we're, or we're considering when we're approaching these lessons, the current events lessons, is that we place events in the true context of salvation history. It's a true that, context. That's a beautiful point. Uh, and, and I think it's so central. I mean, really, that's the context <laughs> where we should place everything, not just the news, but everything, you know, uh, St. Augustine called uh, salvation history, the narratio or the story, right? Uh, and we, we can easily argue, right? 
um, what gives a plot and meaning to our lives is a, is a story, right? A good story has a good plot, has a good context. Uh, and, and much of our world and our society doesn't know this story. And so because they don't know this story, they don't have the correct plot, the correct framing mm-hmm. for their lives. And so what are we called to do is we're called to share this story, to give the culture, give the world back its story, right? Because when we know exactly. or when we know where we come from, we can know where we're going. And then it also then places things in such a context that like you mentioned uh, before, this is, it puts Christ at the center and it makes you realize, okay, if I put this in the bigger scheme of salvation history, then I know God's in control here. And, and, and no, no matter how awful things might seem in X, Y, and Z's situation, there's no need to panic because God's already won, right? Yeah, that, of course. That's what salvation history tells us. Um, you know, the, the, the secular world is always trying to tell us to put things in the context of history, mm-hmm. which that's good. That's one good step. Um, and, and I think sadly, even the secular world is forgetting to do that. Yeah. But we as Catholics go take it a step further, not just history, but salvation history, which is really where all history, you know, finds its meaning. Is, Everything is, is within it. And, and it only in salvation history, only in the true understanding of this, like you, as you said, can we understand our true origin and our true end? Um, we were created by God. We were created for him. We were created for love, essentially. And he, throughout history, has truly revealed himself to, to mankind. And this is recorded. And this is not just another subject in, in school. It's, it's our story. It's as humanity. We, we, took, we share in the fall of our first parents and that, that accounts for a lot of the pain that's in the world, you know, and it's the only thing that accounts for the pain in the world, actually. <laughs> um, so this true context uh, is, is our story. It's, re- it's real. And this, I think, is what helps put Christ in the classroom as this, this, I love the title of this podcast, but um, yeah, only through uh, embracing salvation history as our story. Like we are a part of it. We are members of the church. We are members of, that the Holy Spirit is at work in the world. And, and this is all, this is real. <laughs> and you can, it helps, helps to bring this into a discussion, I think too, because it, it can often be something that you encountered only in, in maybe a religion class or at mass when you hear, you know, you hear the gospel and the, the readings. And, and, you know, it's hard to sometimes connect the stories from scripture unless you immerse, try to immerse your life in it. So um, even as adults, you know, um, so um, I, I took this as yet yeah, the, the first the first approach. We always try to to keep this in mind. Um, always put things in the true context, and that also operate. That's also on the human level of um, the context of the church. You know, the church. It's sometimes tempting to only think of uh, the church in America as as you know as, as we have we have experience with, and the news that we're reading is concerning, like you know, <laughs> um, the local churches and things and the the. The fact is that the church is the body of Christ, and then there's a lot of grace being poured into the world through, you know, churches in Africa and in East Asia and everything. And we are in solidarity, united to them as members of the same body of Christ. And like, it's a it's a fruitful thing, I think, to consider for lessons and, and conversations as well. Is put things in the larger context of not just what's happening on our streets in this country, 
and how we can approach that, but how our brothers and sisters in Christ are, what, what they're suffering or, or celebrating in, in other parts of the world, you know? Yeah. So, and then the second point here is uh, relate moral issues to scripture and church teaching. This, this kind of follows from the first is you can only understand things in the light of Christ, the, the light of the risen Christ, that's the true context of all events. And so you can only understand more, the moral, what is at stake in the various ideas that are popular today involving the human person and, and the, the lack of understanding of what the human person is. And only the church comprehensively proclaims human dignity and, and our origin. And we're made in the image and likeness of God. And there are things that follow from this. And it's really... Um, and in scripture, I mean, we encounter Christ, we encounter our, our history and our savior and knowledge of script, you know, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ, as St. Jerome said. And um, so incorporating scripture in church teaching is, I think, essential. Right. And, it goes and, without saying, but. Right. And really scripture and the catechism should be the lens through mm -hmm. which we interpret the events that are going on in our world, right? That, that we- Specifically the catechism, it's the compendium of all moral teaching of the church, if you will. And it's, it's in perfect format for teaching because there are paragraphs that are just nuggets of a beautiful, they're beautiful. And then any, any moral issue, you can just look it up in the glossary of the catechism and then you, you can see a, a way to approach it and, and the fullness of what's at stake, um, specifically regarding moral issues, you know, and um, they're essential. And, and specifically the catechism and in the catechism, because in the catechism, you don't need as much context because using papal documents is also a wonderful teaching method. But a lot of times there's, um, you know, there's more context that needs to be considered and applied. So in, in our current events lesson, we, we always begin with a scripture meditation and, and relate that to whatever we're discussing. And then catechism excerpts that help teach or, I, or highlight um, what's at stake and, and what the church proclaims about, um, what the truth the church proclaims in, in any issue that we're, we're considering. Um, and more of an invitation to reflection and, and to really to come to see it, for students to come and to ask leading questions and, and to have them kind of reflect on it, as we said in the beginning, because that's the ultimate, um, that's the ultimate goal. It's, it's not you know, education, Emily Dickinson said this, right? Education is not the filling of a pail, it's the lighting of a fire. Um, and that's a beautiful thing to think about in context of catechesis too, with the, the, the Holy Spirit. And we began um, the, the tongues of flame and <laughs> the inspiration that comes only from him and, and how to pass this on and how to, how to have a, a conversation in, in, in the classroom to, to foster that desire, which is, mentioned in that quote at the beginning too. Um, so the Socratic method is obviously something we, we always put in, into use in these because sometimes when it comes to morality, Catholics have a bad rep for, you know, not beating people over the head, but, you know, spouting church doctrine and then leaving it there perhaps, or, or just saying, no, that's wrong because this is, the church says it's wrong, which is not a bad approach, but, but um, the ability to, to come and see that for yourself is truly like that's the conversion experience that's what every individual heart has to come to see themselves 
Um, and scripture and the catechism are excellent. I mean, scripture first, obviously, that's constantly, it's the living, it's our lifeblood. But the catechism is the foundation for that, um, especially in the classroom. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the third point here, I think, is probably the most important because this goes from reflection and, and under, putting things in context into action and, and how to really encounter things. And this, this plays out throughout your whole life outside the classroom too. So the practice of prudence, moderation, and custody of the heart. And we'll discuss all these things, I think, a little yeah. more in depth. Yeah. But um, this was brought up in, obviously, that opening quote, prudence and moderation, the ability to stay within, um, to, to avoid the extremes, um, not, to, you know, not to fall into partisanship, if you will, or just um, to be able to navigate and, and exercise your intellect with prudence to, to be able to be governed by reason um, in an right. event. And, and like you said at the beginning in that beautiful introduction, not to be governed by emotions first. Emotions are good, they're not bad, but um, yeah. when, especially when it comes to what do you give yourself to um, when, when the story is like, what, do you, what are you guided by and what are you um, being um, impelled by? It should, it sh there should always be reflection there before you take a step, you know? Um, and so uh, I think this is, these are three important points. And custody of the heart is, is a beautiful thing to reflect on, which I think we'll probably close with that re reflection on that. But that's generally just keeping yourself, um, it's, it, it's related to, to purity, keeping your purity. And that, that's not just, <laughs> that means, you know, anger is something to avoid. It's it trouble. It's a... Uh, yeah, anger, well, uh, yes, you know, there's righteous anger, which is okay. Um, that righteous anger can lead us to action and it's positive true. action, but but then there's anger that that does nothing but keep me angry because there's not nothing I can do about the situation, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, and no, the reality is too is when, when you look at this last point, it's also just as a caution. When we talk about teaching the faith with current events, um, I know that there are listeners out there that might be teaching younger grades. And I think this, mm -hmm. this is one of those things that's good kind of for you to know as a teacher, but um, I really wouldn't spend a lot of time um, teaching with current events um, with younger students because younger students, um, we, we, we still have to help them have custody of their hearts. You're um, absolutely right. And, and practice moderation and prudence with them because there's certain things that we, you know, that it, it's, it's our job as educators to help preserve their innocence and let their parents, um, and on that, things, you know, you said exactly what I was thinking on that note. Um, yeah, there are some things that are appropriate only to be discussed in the context of the family with the first educators, the parents, and, and that's proper. And, you know, it's, it's true. There are some things that we have to exercise prudence as educators too, and, and how to approach issues, what issues we perhaps might it might not be prudent to approach. And then also, as far as the current events lessons go, you're right. And I, I think the, the lessons that we produce are generally, they're aimed, um, the, intended, the intended audience, are the older, a little more mature um, students, upper middle school, high school age, definitely. Um, some of these issues, obviously some of them can be um, condensed perhaps, but yeah, right. it's generally um, younger, younger children you know, it would be hard for them to have to be thrown into the world in that way. <laughs> you know, it's right. just, it's, it's very true. 
Well, so let, let's talk about each of your, your key points here and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and maybe you can expound on them a little bit. So, so beginning with, with, with putting things in the context of salvation history, what, what are some, some things to keep in mind in, in creating that true context? Well, first of all, scripture. <laughs> I mean, um, it, is, it is our, it is, it is our history and always relating things to events in scripture um, and, and especially the Old Testament, especially and all things in the Old Testament point to Christ. Obviously, the, the Old and New Testaments um, shed light on each other. So it really is the, the context is salvation history and the culmination of all history is Christ himself, the person of Christ, his paschal mystery, the, the incarnation. So what, one way to put things into context is obviously just is always relate something to the life of our Lord. And then in that, you can then, you're free to go into the Old Testament, to the prophecies, and, and just to see how everything is, is laid out. And the, and the beauty of salvation history is that it is, Annette, you said so beautifully, it's the, nar- the narrative. It's a story. Everything, it just builds and culminates in the incarnation. And, and to see that um, is not, I don't think it comes naturally to see that, obviously. So to, to put things into the true light. You mentioned earlier looking through a Catholic lens, and I think it's part of true context is that we don't, in a way, it's not as much a Catholic lens as we as Catholics see things in the true light. We, we see things in the open light of the risen, the Son of God. You know, that it's truth, which is a little bit different, but it, obviously it's, it's not wrong to, <laughs> to, to approach it like that. But um, it's almost, you know, St. Paul says the, the scales were moved from my eyes when, when he encountered Christ and saw the truth. And um, having the idea of looking through the lens maybe fosters the idea that it's like an, an, um, an opposing idea and that these are two equal um, viewpoints on the field, you know, but, mm-hmm. but we're really just breaking open like the window and then allowing the light of Christ to shine through. So, I mean, that's, a, that's a semantics. That's not very, <laughs> um, it's not a huge point, but, but yeah, that's part of the context is, is really. Um, right. Well, and then seeing church history too, obviously, and how, how the Holy spirit has worked in the world specifically, you know, in that, the great, the, the Pentecost. Yeah. So I think really um, when you, when you talk about, the context and the drama of our time and all these things, one of the key things, and like you said, the, the Catholic view of the world, right? Mm. Uh, I think oftentimes what we find with media and issues in the world is that whatever issues the world is making or, or, or not complaining, cause that's not, cause, cause it's not complaining because sure. it's justified, right? Whatever issues are coming up in <laughs> yeah. the world, tend to be issues that the church that us as Christians would have issue with. Right. So absolutely. However, the difference comes in, in our solution. That's where our worldview shifts. We're, we're the Catholic optic. This is a phrase George Weigel uses in his book <laughs> letters to a young Catholic, which I absolutely love is um, a Catholic optic, a distinctive way of seeing the world. That optic leads us to a different conclusion and a different solution. 
which is where the rift occurs because because in the human heart we all desire the same things Mm -hmm. and so the injustices and the things that we recognize it is human to be outraged by certain things in society the difference comes in the christian is going to propose a vastly different solution than the typical human because they're guided by supernatural principles and grace and they're guided by Christ at the center. Right. So, so that's where our understanding of the human person is different, but we all long and for and desire the same things. You know, it's It's a a heart. My heart is restless till it rests in thee. again, as St. Augustine said, it's yeah, it's absolutely it. The innate desire for the desire for God, you know, everyone has it and it, it, manifests itself in different ways because not everyone exactly knows where to look or how to look or what they're desiring. But but that's it. We have very different conclusions <laughs> oftentimes. And, and that's the that's the struggle. Um, you, and you, I think that leads quite beautifully into this uh, excerpt that I had chosen for this. Um, it's very related to what we're talking about. This is a second century um, apostolic letter or epistle it's the epistle of Methetus to Diognetus I'm not much is known about the author but I mean I think this is a beautiful reflection on exactly this context and how uh, the Christian is in the world but not of the world we're we're pilgrims you know we're citizens of heaven and that doesn't mean we flee from the things of the world but it it's not a paradox but it's it's there's something different Um, So I'll just go ahead and read it and maybe we can discuss it a little bit. Um, So I'll begin, quote, Christians are indistinguishable from other men, either by nationality, language, or customs. They do not inhabit separate cities of their own or speak a strange dialect or follow some outlandish way of life. Their teaching is not based upon reveries inspired by the curiosity of men. Unlike some other people, they champion no purely human doctrine. With regard to dress, food, and manner of life in general, they follow the customs of whatever city they happen to be living in. And yet, there is something extraordinary about their lives. They live in their own countries as though they were only passing through. They play their full role as citizens, but labor under all the disabilities of aliens. Any country can be their homeland, but for them, their homeland, wherever it may be, is a foreign country. They pass their days upon the earth, but they are citizens of heaven, obedient to the laws, yet they live on a level that transcends the law, end quote. I love that. Um, you are, you're just, uh, you're kind of shaming me here, introducing me to all kinds of uh, experts <laughs> and documents that, uh, that, that I feel like I should have encountered along my theological studies, but heck, that just shows the vastness and the beauty of the faith that even, even yeah. when you have a master's degree in theology, um, you, you, you haven't stumbled upon everything. Um, but I love, I love this excerpt uh, because it really, um, it speaks of that tension that we as Christians mm-hmm. have in this world that one, our lives should look radically different, right? They, they, there should be something extraordinary about the way we live our lives that, that my life should look radically different from the atheist who lives down the street 
And yet I often go, I don't know that it does. I, yeah. I, I need to do better at that. While at the same time too, not being a total weirdo, right? If that makes sense, <laughs> like that, that like that people should, um, I should be approachable and my life mm-hmm. should seem attractive to others, right? So this tension that yes, my life is radically different and communicates that I believe in something greater that transcends this earth and that I live accordingly. But at the same time too, I am in this world mm-hmm. and it, and I should live in a way that appears attractive to others. And so, yeah, it's yeah. such a beautifully put. It always strikes me because it, you know, this is the second century and it could be, it could have been written yesterday. I mean, mm-hmm. this, the two things that struck me particularly related to what you were speaking of right before is Christians champion no purely human doctrine. And that's, that's what you were saying is, is really the, the crossroads or like the, the tension in our lives is that no human doctrine is full enough or true, like complete enough without the faith. And that's what kind of sets us apart sometimes and, and, um, and puts us at odds because it's not that things are necessarily always wrong, but you were saying we come to different conclusions because our end is not in this world. We're not of this world. It's, it's that the heavenly goods that we seek and a lot of the, the problems in the earth or in our world are caused by, you know, obviously the spirit of the world, the purely the desire for to, or earthly goods. It's as simple as that. And it, it's, it's not an easy problem to fix, obviously, but you were, that the quote also had mentioned that there's something extraordinary about their lives. And I think that's what, it's so beautiful. And you're right. I looked at my life and said, I, I can't say this of myself. What, what's wrong here? <laughs> uh, people should look at, at us or us as Christians, you know, as other Christs, as there's something so appealing about their life that it's drawing, it's drawing me in. Like, what do they have? What do they have that, that I, that is beautiful, that is, that's affecting their lives. And, you know, obviously it's Christ in the sacraments is the ultimate, it's, it's just the ultimate gift. And, and we have that. Right. And we should go, I mean, you know, we are called to go forth and to, to proclaim that in the ways that we can, like you said <laughs> about being a weirdo, that this, that's part of the extremes thing that we were talking about earlier, the moderation of how to share the beauty that we have. How do we share and reflect Christ and his love and goodness into our world without forcing it or, you know, being belligerent always. It's just, um, it's, it's something to consider and reflect on and, and try to put into practice every day when we wake up, you know, <laughs> it's, it's the goal and, and it necessarily affects the way we speak and act and towards our neighbor and the way we think about figures in society, even, you know, so the second point we had uh, mentioned scripture and church teaching, we did discuss this earlier at length, uh, but the, some of the principles that were I wanted to bring into play were that obviously the church proclaims the whole truth about the human person. And this many think there are consequences to this statement, obviously, you know, um, when human dignity and hu- human life, what is it? When does it begin? When does it end? Um, when ought it? And, and this is, uh, something that obviously the catechism covers in depth, um, but the whole truth, the church proclaims the whole truth. As a convert, this is myself, this is very touching to me because I stumbled on this, the whole truth. 
Um, there's a beautiful, in the, in the Eastern liturgy of St. John Chrysostom, there's a beautiful hymn that the church prays together in the, in the liturgy, in the mass. That, and it's, it goes, we have found the true light. We have, we have seen the true light. We have found the true faith. We worship the undivided Trinity for having saved us. And always just strikes me right here as a, um, th that's my story. Like I found, I saw the true light. I found the true faith. When you, it's, it's the treasure that you stumble on in the field, you know, the kingdom of heaven, uh, the, the whole truth, the person of Christ. Like it's, he's a person and you have a relationship with him through scripture, especially And um, the scripture and church teaching obviously guide us in, with moral clarity um, in ways that we can't find in the world. You know, there are philosophies that, that get so far, but uh, moral clarity can only truly come from church teaching and the proclamation of the gospel. Um, and it's all in scripture too, um, in the gospels, you know, that's one of the best ways to encounter events in your life is, is to always just come back to the gospels. You never, every time you read them, you're growing and you're understanding. And also you see things that you didn't see before. I, this has been my experience. I, I don't know about you, Jose. <laughs> they're, they're always yeah. pertinent. There's always something related to your particular state in life when you're in, when you're reading a scripture and praying with scripture. It's, it's quite profound. Yeah. I, and I think, right. This, this, this point right here that everything is found in Christ, that Christ is yeah. the answer, right. Absolutely. To, to to everything, uh, it, it points to our mission uh, the, of the church being evangelization. When we're mm -hmm. analyzing current events, mm -hmm. we're it's with the aim of evangelization. It's with the aim of of showing our students that the world is in need of Jesus, because the reality is is a lot of times the solutions being proposed by the culture to solve current issues. Mm -hmm. Are solutions that are not going to work because the only solution is Jesus Christ to these issues, right? And so to think that we can create some kind of earthly utopia in which we just yeah. come up with the in which we can legislate morality or legislate mm -hmm. this or that mm -hmm. or the other, and that all our problems are going to go away with either more laws or with rioting or with whatever the case may be, right? that it's going to magically all just get better if we just become a bunch of activists <laughs> yeah. is not the case, right? Um, it, in the end, if we don't invite Christ into that issue, mm -hmm. he's there, he's there. He's just yeah. waiting for us to ask him to come into the issue. Exactly. Yeah. We can't, we can't come up with a solution because the solution is Jesus Christ the way, the truth, and the life. That's where it is, right? But then it's all, that, that's also a hopeful thing in that hopefully it also gives our kids, when, when, we, when we talk like this, if we address things like that, it also gives our kids the opportunity to hopefully look and think, yeah. okay, maybe I shouldn't freak out about this or maybe I shouldn't let this news mm -hmm. story totally destroy and ruin my day, right? Especially- yeah when I have no control over it. Especially since the, per, you know, Christ is present in a very real way, like in every tabernacle. It's not only the fact that you can be assured that Christ is, is there because he always is, but you can truly, 
be in his presence and in prayer and in adoration. And that's the, that's honestly, could any be anything be more comforting than that? I mean, and, and that's a beautiful, I mean, method in teaching too, or perhaps just um, the presence of Christ is profound and powerful and, and um, the true haven, the true haven. So let's talk about custody of the heart a little bit. Yeah. So this gets into, you know, act, what can we do? How, how do we act in the world, in our lives, in our families, in our classroom? Um, and this is, this should be profound because as that, that quote from the, the second century letter said, there's something extraordinary about their lives. What is that? Like, what, what exactly is that? It's, it's necessarily countercultural, I think in our age, you know? So uh, first of all, practicing charity toward all. We, we say, love the sinner, hate the sin. That does that mean, you know, the approach to issues, you should always remember Christ's call to love one another, like to, to give your life for the other, to love in charity is to will the good of the other, whoever they may be, if they're our enemy, if they're our friends. So to not conflate, you know, issues and then problems in the world perhaps that we're necessarily exposed to in the news with like with person like not making them a right. personal thing you don't say you know you, you don't want to condemn any person because every single person is beloved of, of god of Christ. right it should as christians we should pray for the grace in our yeah. hearts when we see people or groups of people or or whatever advocating with mm-hmm. things and solutions that are contrary to what we believe that might be damaging as a whole to the culture that should move us with pity though, exactly. not exactly. compassion and mercy. Like we should look upon those who are advocating for these things with, with, with the heart of mercy, the heart of, of Christ, his divine mercy, because really like, therefore, Therefore, but for the grace of God, go I. Like, uh-huh. I could be in their position if 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 Christ, if I had not yeah. encountered Christ and His grace, oh, absolutely active in my Jose, life. So I need to. That's it. I think you're absolutely right there. It's every person desires mm-hmm. God, you know, and, and the most evident thing actually is you look at the streets in this past year, and and what do you see is you actually see a. a thirst and a craving for authentic love and and for for god's mercy like and it 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 sees you know we we see falsehood when 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 it's presented to us and then so many people have are victims of of of, you know like you said earlier the wrong answer being proposed to them like the the worldly answer and evidence of that they're you know betrayal in a sense is the fact that you know we see a lot of unrest and and not to lose sight of the fact that you know every single person is our neighbor that's a profound thing to really put into practice because you can assent to it in your mind and say that's right i i'm called to love my neighbor as myself um but putting that into practice you're absolutely right cannot be done without prayer because charity is a gift of the holy spirit and you um, it's a comprehensive, it's a way of life. You know, you're, you're constantly asking for the graces and you can, re- and receiving the graces and the sacraments to be another Christ in the world and to to uh, practice authentic charity to all, which which doesn't come naturally, you know, as humans, um, as human beings. Um, 
And related to that are the, the second points here, cultivating prudence and moderation in the headline-driven culture and seeking supporting evidence. We, we did discuss this earlier, I think, but our uh, yeah. approach necessarily means look a little deeper. Don't just, you know, the, the, the right. seeding, I think, I think, seeding of the waters isn't, isn't. Right. I think one of the big things that, that is easy to fall into in our culture is, you know, the clickbait headlines. <laughs> yeah, you see it, you it. see it, you see a headline and you think, and it just enrages you or provokes kind of like, yes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I got your mentality. Let's check out this article and, and people post it and, and mm, share that's it. it. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden you look at the article and the article has nothing to do with the headline and the headline's totally misleading. The uh, trap. Some, yeah. It, oftentimes. Yeah. And so it really is one being careful with the clickbait and also seeking, I, I love your point about seeking supporting evidence. Cause so, so often sometimes we read one article yeah. from one news source and we assume that that is the correct answer or that is the correct source. And while there may be pieces of truth there, if you start digging and looking for other, 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 uh, other reports on it, that's how we piece it together, right? But we also, like, in, in custody of the heart, you have to be careful. Like, you don't need every piece of evidence. We just need to find a little bit and then and then guard, um, guard ourselves, guard our hearts. Because, That's exactly it. Yep. Uh, custody. Uh, uh, guarding yeah. yourself from 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 fall from falling into the wayside or 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 being removed from from that presence of Christ. You know and. And, and it's clinging to Christ, really. Custody of the heart is just clinging to him with all your might, <laughs> often because um, there are many things trying to pull you away from him. And it's deceptive because right. you, can't, you can't tell that they are. But but, um, but it's also in our 24-7 news cycle yeah. culture, yeah. you don't need to be glued in. I, 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 I think, um, you know, I'm just reminded exactly. this was years ago before it was even as bad as this, but you know, late nineties, 99, I remember being a freshman in college and, and co- the Columbine shooting happened. And I remember just being glued to the TV and watching and trying to consume. Yeah. I wanted to know everything about this story. And I look back and I go, why, why? Like there was such evil in what took place. Why was I so like engrossed in that s- story? And I wasn't the only one. So many people around mm-hmm. the country were constantly like tuned into that. Um, and that's well, what, that's what our, our, our news cycle culture does. And so it's just like, okay, it's good to be informed, but we got to find a balance between finding information. And then sometimes you just have to stop, right? Sometimes you have to stop and go, I've learned all I need to know. Maybe I should offer up a rosary or a penance for this. Exactly. Uh, you mentioned it exactly. Um, excuse me. Finding opportunities for prayer, solidarity, or celebration in the news. That that's it. Oftentimes, you know, it's not a bad thing uh, to know what's happening, but oftentimes, all we are called to do is is to maybe you know we can't do anything else about it other than offer it to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, offer these victims of these events or whatever is happening um, to, in prayer and remembering them in prayer. Like I'm, God have mercy. I'm just this morning I saw. <laughs> In, in the news cycle of this uh, horrendous uh, shooting in Colorado. And I don't know much else about it, but I mean, there are, you know, there's a danger exactly to, to being um, sucked into and, and there's a curiosity about it, but oftentimes, yeah, it's enough to be able to, maybe it's an invitation to prayer and you have to kind of exercise the moderation there. And 
Yes. And yeah. trust that God, you know, it's in it's in the Lord's hands and yeah. It's yeah. tricky. Yes, it is. Oh, and so this last quote, this last passage here is from Matthew, and this this is uh, directly tied to the, cust- the idea of the custody of the heart, and I think it's a beautiful reflection to to perhaps end with. Um, and it's everyone has heard it, I'm sure, but I'll read it. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and decay destroys, and thieves break in and steal, but store up treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor decay destroys, nor thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there also will your heart be. That's from the Gospel of Matthew. I should have mentioned that before. But where your treasure is, there also your heart will be. At the end of the day, and this this is what you were mentioning just now, I think, you know, um, our habits inform, you know, our habits. Um, it's, it's dangerous sometimes, you know, forming yeah. a habit can happen without us knowing it. But, you know, you constantly need to be mindful of what you're what habits you're forming in every moment and where your heart is and custody of the heart, I think is, is directly related to this. Like always keeping your heart guarded and protected and, and in the presence of God's love and like in, in the presence of God um, focused right. on Christ, like at the, at the end of the day. And, um, and well, yeah, where, where's our treasure is a great reflective yeah. question to ask, especially when we are in, finding ourselves anxious about what's going on in the world because of the media. Very true. When we we're find ourselves this world, <laughs> anxious, are we anxious because we're so we're so um, tied to this world that that we are scared for the temp for the loss of our temporal life or in the, the treasures we've yeah. stored here, or is our focus, you know, um, in in heaven? You know, obviously, um, that's the reality. When 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 I look at issues and I go, whatever it may be, whether it be, um, you know. COVID or, or, or no yeah. matter what other issues that have gone on in the world, whether it's, you know, the, the rise of, of sexual immorality, or it's the rise mm-hmm. of, you know, or, or the way the, um, you know, immigration issue or Black Lives Matter, or no matter what the issues are that of the day, um, if, if it is, if what's happening is causing me so much anxiety, if I find myself getting anxious, I, I have to go, where's my heart right now? Is it, is it in trying to preserve my earthly life or is it in Lord? If you know, yeah, a, thy will be done. Act? Yeah, that will be done. Yeah. A, how do you want me to act if there's anything I can do? So yes. I can do it. Exactly. And if, if there's nothing I can do and it's out of my control. Lord, I give you my, I give it, I give this to you and help me to store up heavenly treasure and not be worried mm-hmm. about the earthly treasures here. You know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely. So speaking of uh, uh, things um, storing up heavenly treasures, I think there's sometimes earthly treasures that point us to heavenly treasures. Um, Absolutely. Exactly oh. <laughs> found in the books and music and, and media. Not all the time. There is a lot of terrible things out there. There was also a lot of beauty out there in in music and books and and, and movies. Uh, and I we often like to ask, you know, what's a good connection um, to help our our teachers. Um, either engage themselves or help with their students. Um, do you have any suggestions of, of, of a oh, favorite? Sure. <laughs> uh, well, two things come to mind. First um, is Handel's Messiah. <laughs> I, it's one of my absolute favorite uh, compositions. It's, it's a very, it's an oratorio. So it's a, a very large 
musical composition intended for orchestra and a choir and soloists. So it's got it all. And um, what it is, is it's just a beautiful reflection it, using the text of scripture, in case anyone hasn't heard it, to, to really just plumb the depths of the whole life of Christ, the Messiah from the Old Testament prophecies to the incarnation to the passion, death and resurrection. Um, a lot of times the Messiah gets associated with just Christmas, <laughs> but, um, but actually they're just profoundly beautiful sections and, and, and um, movements in it. There are 53 movements in all, but I think it just, it's almost, it, it maps perfectly to like the liturgical cycle also. I mean, I'm listening to it during Lent, um, the, the passion movement, and it's, um, it's so beautiful. And it's a, it's a nice way to disconnect, if you will, to use the term from, you know, the screen and from what's happening and just going to sit back and, and really meditate or you can pray with it. It's a scripture and it's, it's, it's marshaled in such a beautiful way. I think it's, it's just, it's so profound. And I think it's a beautiful teaching um, opportunity too. I mean, if one dare take it to the classroom, just a small section of the Messiah. Um, and also it helps you memorize scripture in a beautiful way because the, the melodies and the, the, the musical composition is profound. It's so beautiful. So I would, I would, I would recommend just sitting and reflecting or just sitting back with a glass of wine, maybe listen to the Messiah one day this week, perhaps, and see what you think of it because um, very moving, very beautiful. Handel is a master. And then as, as far as book, I would, I would say Dante's Divine Comedy, actually, um, if anyone hasn't read it. It's a lot of people, I mean, much of the time you can get uh, mired in the Inferno section, but actually the, the whole Divine Comedy, the three parts, the Purgatorio and the, the Paradiso, uh, some of the most beautiful reflections on divine charity and, and the heavenly, like you said, where is your heart, is your heart in heaven, in, in the heavenly treasures? His um, Dante's Paradiso is, is well worth reading once in your life, at least. Um, take that as a homework assignment, if you will, but I would highly recommend it because Dante is also a poet who, who brought in current events into his poem in, in odd ways. So, I mean, sometimes yeah, I don't know if anyone did it before him, but um, throughout the whole poem, he's, you know, he's, he's putting certain public figures that were around in his lifetime into his poem and his journey through, through hell to heaven. But, but really the, the, the reflections towards the end in the, in the Paradiso, so, so moving and beautiful, um, describing the love that, you know, God's love that moves the sun and all the other stars and, and really how that affects the world and, and trickles down into the world. It's, it's, it's breathtaking, I think. So I would recommend that if, if ever, anyone hasn't read it. <laughs> um, Heidi, uh, would you um, mind sharing the question that we got live um, during the session when we were when we were live and failed to record it? Because it was a great question. I'd love to. Oh. <laughs> yep, I've got it right here, Jose. Um, the question is, the world has portrayed as truth the ways of the cafeteria Catholics, and that's in quotations where one can pick and choose the doctrines of the faith that fit into their current lifestyles. How would you recommend relaying to students that Catholicism is unchanging and that all doctrines are still so worthy of learning and following the ways of Christ? So that's an excellent question. Uh, and I think the key goes back to Ethan's point about context, right? So where, where do we, where does our um, origin and destiny um come from? Where does that understanding come from? It comes from scripture, from the catechism, from salvation history. And that is where we should root everything. Um, and, and we need to warn our students about false prophecy. Unfortunately, there are 
um, voices within the church, even um, that, that often speak um, n- not correctly. And, and just because a priest says it, or just because even a, a, a newspaper claiming to be Catholic says it, or even unfortunately, sadly, a bishop says it, you have to put it up against what the larger tradition of the church mm-hmm. is. <laughs> and, and then that that's how we, that's how we proceed. That's how we teach. Um, and it's not easy. It's not an easy task because some students have already made up their minds, but we have to remain true to what is found in, in the church's teachings. So as we, to conclude, um, we will not have a, a podcast next week. So we'll resume Easter week, Tuesday, April 6th. Uh, we will be live on Tuesday, April 6th from 6.30 to 7.30. The topic will be the joy of the resurrection, what Easter means for us and our students. And our guest ne- next time will be Professor Scott Solom of Franciscan University. Uh, if you want to dig deeper with us, next week we are doing a uh, tr- more traditional virtual workshop called Dying and Rising with Christ, Teaching and Living the Paschal Mystery. Joining us will be Dr. Michael Barber from the Augustine Institute. Um, you can register and purchase to join us. Um, all Christ in the Classroom listeners get 50% off with promo code CITC50 and download there. Um, and please su- subscribe and give us a review. Uh, give us a rating on um, through, through your favorite podcast listening medium, as well as through YouTube and Vimeo. Um, and uh, once again, Ethan, uh, thankful for the inspiration. Um, would you lead us in, in the closing prayer you've selected for today? Of course. Thank you, Jose. And thanks for the invitation. It was a great conversation. Um, let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, Jesus, come back into our society, our family life, our souls, and reign there as our peaceful sovereign. Enlighten with the splendor of faith and the charity of your tender heart the souls of those who work for the good of the people, for your poor. Impart in them your own spirit, a spirit of discipline, order, and gentleness, preserving the flame of enthusiasm ever alight in their hearts. May that day come very soon when we shall see you restored to the center of civic life, born on the shoulders of your joyful people. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Ethan. Please, if you have not thank done you. so, check out our website for more resources, uh, sophiainstituteforteachers.org. Uh, thank you for listening, and we hope that you will listen again next week. God bless you all. Thank you for participating in this week's episode of Christ in the Classroom. In order to request a professional development certificate, please visit sophiainstituteforteachers.org slash CITC certificates. In order to access the free lesson with today's theme, as well as show notes, please visit sophiainstituteforteachers.org slash CITC lessons. Thank you and God bless you.